G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you. It's 9.03 here on SENZ. Hope uh, you have a great day in prospect wherever you are listening uh, around the country, and particularly you Aucklanders. I certainly hope you get some good news uh, when the government speak out later in the day. Uh, this morning we're going to be talking to a champion bloke who's playing champion golf on the Champions Tour, Steve Olker. Uh, we've spoken to him about a month ago, but it's got even better since then. This is a great story. Uh, so we'll be talking to Steve very, very shortly. Andrew Goodman, that's a good story too, isn't it? Just a young coach taking Tasman uh, to another Premiership final. And that, of course, now will be in Hamilton. The job might have just got a little bit tougher uh, with uh, those people there. And, and Waikato uh, finally being able to go to a sporting event. Should be a great atmosphere. Greg Murphy after 10 o'clock. Um, all things motor racing. The supercars are interesting. The Formula One is hotting up. So plenty to talk to Murph about there. Andrew Gordy and Pat McKendry will be on the panel. Louis Herman Watt and uh, Pip Morris uh, just prior to uh, midday. And, and then we've got uh, the legend that is uh, Sir Wayne Shelford, Buck Shelford. Where are we with the All Blacks at the moment? The loose forwards combinations. Do we know our best team? And what about that performance by Ireland uh, the other night? And of course, uh, he knows all about playing against France, doesn't he? Buck Shelford. Uh, and our comic for the week is none other than Tom Furness. A keen sporting person. Looking forward to talking to him before midday as well. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, it's not quite Millbrook, or Queenstown or Laps of Luxury, but I went to an Eagles tribute last night. Not a celebration of the United States rugby team or even that well-known golfing society. No, the band. And it was damn good. Masks to enter, social distancing outside of your group, no refreshments, etc. But it was nearly two hours of a reminder just how lucky some of us are in this country and how deprived are many more. Number one son is in the latter group. He sent me through a brief but to the point message wishing us a good time. Not. Didn't have the guts to tell him I had a large schnitzel and a couple of bevies at a pub on the way. I sense a pending uppercut if I ever get to see him again. Best part about the whole deal? is that I felt young sitting in this depleted audience. I'd say 90% pensioners and 10% lining up soon. I allowed myself a little bit of clapping, a little bit of foot tapping. Life in the old dog still. And speaking of finding new life, later on, shall we say, how about that Stephen Elker? Surely the hottest individual property in Kiwi sport as we speak. It's been two months on the Champions Tour. Even Arnie and Jack would have been proud of. Not just the bickies, very nice I'm sure, but the satisfaction of finding your game, finding your niche, holding your standards and looking the greats fair square in the eyes. Beaten only by the legendary Mickelson this last weekend, this 50-year-old kid from the Tron is drawing a lot of respect and attention from those who really do know. Nine top tens out of ten attempts 
way better than the Eagles. That's Beatles-like. Right up there, too, on the good news shelf, the Mulus are allowed to home. Praise the Lord. They can play on their hallowed turf to seek the premier crown, and they can have a crowd, too. A damn sight younger it'll be than my Eagles colleagues. In Don Henley fashion, not only love will keep us alive, sports playing a pretty good part of that as well. Well, I don't know how many plaudits you have to hand this bloke. Uh, in the last couple of months, we spoke to him uh, not that long ago, and he was enjoying being on the Champions Tour. Uh, it was new for him, uh, and he had uh, really good success initially. Little did we all know uh, how much success uh, it was going to be and how well it's carried on. Since his first tournament in July, Stephen Elka has uh, secured nine top ten finishes and ten starts. Just nine out of ten including victory in Florida last week in second place in the season-ending Charles Schwab Cup just this last weekend, second only to the legendary Phil Mickelson. I mean, I can hardly pinch myself. So, Stephen Elka, welcome back to the show. This has been fantastic for you. It's been great, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been amazing. Um, You know, I'm just sitting down this week. I've still got a a few things on my plate, but just uh, letting it sink in, uh, having a couple of beverages, just kind of chilling out and, and enjoying it, not, enjoying not having to, to travel and play, and it's been a pretty full year. So, yeah, just kind of just starting to take it all in, somebody, to be honest. Well, you, you, the good news about uh, last weekend was I, I thought the way you birdied the last was absolutely outstanding. It would have been easy for you just to walk down that last fairway and, and say, well, job done, I can't win. But, I mean, I, I think the fact that you birdied that last hole was also almost synonymous of, how well you have played in the last couple of months. Yeah, I think so. You know, it was, um, obviously it was nice to be uh, in that position and, and have a chance to win. I didn't have my A-game stuff on on the Sunday. Um, I, you know, um, I, I didn't make too many mistakes, but I didn't make my birdies that I needed to as well. So it was great to be in the hunt. You know, I was right playing right behind Mickelson. Uh, saw him make that birdie on 18, so... All of a sudden, well, I need eagle now. So I didn't. I had a super drive and just hit it in the left rough. Didn't mm. have a good enough lie to, to go for the green, which was surrounded by water and bunkers. So um, I said to my caddy, "Hey, let's just do it the hard way and, and get it in the fairway and give it a shot." From I think I was like 90 yards or 95 yards. So you know, I didn't make it, but I gave it a heck of a run. So it, it was great to be in that position and, and get the juices flowing. And and you know, it's been two weeks in a row. So it's been a lot of fun. Nice little bit of romance about it too. I mean, Phoenix is your home these days. It has been for quite some time. So uh, it was yeah. at the Phoenix Country Club. So uh, people around that that you know and love. I did. I had a, a family here, the, the, the wife and, and kids, and, and a bunch of friends come out during the week. Um, you know, the weather was perfect. I'd never played the golf course uh, before. So, again, it was new. It was exciting for me, um, somewhere I hadn't been and played so um so that was kind of neat too and it's just to be amongst it and, and you know playing with those top you know 30 other 35 other guys uh it, it was pretty neat okay uh let's talk about uh just the romance of a couple of weeks ago when you did win as well uh because the man on your bag sam workman has carried in some 400 tournaments for various professionals 
uh, yeah. over all yeah. those courses, and, and it was his first win. Uh, so special. Yes. Well, you know, it's funny, I didn't even know that. I, I was talking to Sam that night, and I said, uh, you know, cool, excellent. And he says, you know, he comes up and he says, that's, that's my first flag. I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, I said, that's your first one? He says, yeah, that's the first flag I ever got. My first pro went out on tour. I'm like, mate, I didn't even know. So that was a surprise to me and exciting for him. I mean, he's been a real trooper. You know, a lot of people don't have respect enough respect for caddies uh, these days and, and he's been hanging in there with me through thick and thin the Corn Ferry Tour for a couple of years doing the hard yards before we come out and um, and to get it done was, was kind of neat you know not just for my family and, and but for him and his family too so that was that was amazing. Stephen uh, we spoke to you uh, as I said about six or seven weeks ago and uh, you said you had a pretty warm reception to the tour the the other pros uh, you know, we're pretty cool with you. Yes. Uh, now that uh, you're yeah. pinching money out of their pockets on a weekly basis, um, <laughs> I would imagine that the reaction might be a little bit different, but I would imagine also a ton of respect there. And how is that reception from the greats? Yeah, well, I, I hope so. I mean, it, it feels like that anyway. And, you know, the guys joke, you know, you're, you're taking money away from us and, you know, can't wait for the year to end and all that sort of stuff. But... Um, you know, in, in seriousness, I mean, everyone's been amazing. Um, obviously, you know, I've turned a couple of heads and, and um, you know, who's this Elka guy? But um, ultimately, it just kind of feels like um, kind of a big family out there. There's obviously, you know, there's only 80 guys playing every week and the legends, they've played all you know, together before on the PGA Tour for, for a number of years. Me, not so many, but um, that's kind of what it feels like. And... Um, you know, that comfortability factor um, has been a little easier, the transition. And then just, uh, I'm just, I just feel more relaxed on the course. And um, that's, that's huge in, in, in playing, you know, some, some top-level golf, just being relaxed and playing my game and not, not being afraid of, of anything, basically. Stephen, how, how, how much have your weeks changed? I mean, you don't have to qualify on Monday anymore and you're playing at the weekend all the time. Yeah. No, no, it's easy. It gets easier when you turn 50, apparently. So it, it's, uh, you know, those three days, I mean, you can play in a card if you want, except for the playoffs. So that's an option. I haven't done that yet. I mean, my, my theory is if, if Bernard Lang is walking, more, I'm walking too, you know what I mean? So um, it, 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 is, it is a nice, you know, the week's pretty full on with, with pro-ams and you're, you're doing some... Um, um, some networking and, and, and pro-am work. But, um, you, you know, that's for me, that was easy because I, I needed to see the courses. Um, great way to, to meet new people and, and get more time on the course. So, um, you, you know, it's, it's been great. And in and, and three days, obviously it's different to the four-day would have been would have been playing. But I, I just found, Smithy, that, you know, with three days, it's actually almost harder because, you, you know, there's no cut, but... To, to actually have a chance to win the golf tournament, you need to get off to a, a nice start. Otherwise, you're, you're on the back foot already, you know. Stephen, is there one particular club in the bag that's turned it around for you? Is, is, it, uh, is, a, is it a combination of the whole particular thing that you put into it? Or is there one club that has set you up to do this? It, it's probably not even a club in my bag, to be honest. Um, it, it's probably more up top. Um, 
to do just being more uh, patient and uh, accepting and just uh, just giving myself a break and, and, and enjoying my golf. I think that's the, the biggest thing. So it's probably more mental than anything. Um, if mm. you dug into the bag and looked somewhere there, um, you know, I made a golf ball change back in, um, geez, about three or four weeks before I, before I went out in the champion. So that was kind of like early July. Um, you know, that, that kind of made a difference to, um, to, to my flight and, and a little bit of extra yardage. But, you know, I've been driving it great. Um, you know, if you can drive it great and, and wedge it well out in the champions, you, you're going to be doing pretty good. And the putters stayed, you know, fairly consistent. Um, I've had my weeks when it's been better than others. But, you know, mm-hmm. one club I can't really, you know, say say there is one, but uh, just a whole combination, you know, is uh, both of those things, the mental side and the and the physical um, has been has been just kind of all lined up and um, been working well. I kind of think that you know, even though the season's come to an end as such, you're in such a lovely groove. You're you're almost sort of sorry that it has. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but I'm bloody tired, Smitty. To be honest, um, it's it's been a long year. Uh, just with coming off the corn ferry, um, you know, trying to keep playing and and prepare there and uh, I would like to keep some status there to be honest but I just had a rough start to the season um, I was making cuts but not you know getting any points and then I had some nice finishes you know a couple of nice tournaments before I went out in the champions and then um, but you know my, my focus really was just on tour school at the end of the year and then let, let's get ready for that and um, this has all happened and, and it's changed so but that happens. It can, you know, you've played professional sport for a long time, and you know, a test match, for example, can just change in a flash. You know, just a one over, or you know, a couple of a couple of quick catches here and there. Or you know, golf's the same. You know, just a just one good tournament or one good round, like gets gets something momentum going, and um, it, it can it can change change a lot of things. I look at um, you know, I look at the guys you. That you're mixing with Furick, Jimenez, Couples, Sing, Langer. I mean, the list goes on, and, and you're inspired by the likes of Langer, etc. I'd look, you know, I, I'm just amazed by the whole thing because I love my golf. Um, look, what about next year? I mean, I, I would imagine now that you know what, where you're starting next year, you can start to plan, uh, and you can start to mm-hmm. think about major tournament success. I mean, I mean, that's how good it's yep. going. Yes. Yeah, no, no, that's definitely at the front of my mind for sure. You know, I've got actually the champions have five majors apparently. I don't even know what they are to be honest. I know there's a you always seen your open and a PGA and a British Open, but um, the other two I'm not sure on. But so yeah, I've really got to sit down and kind of work map that out. Um, yeah, there's some, certainly some tournaments that I can really focus on. But I think the exciting thing going into next year, Smithy, um, is I've got, I've still got like a over half a year where I haven't played. So all these new events, these new courses, new places I haven't been uh, to look forward to. So that's exciting too, and um, that's that's really what I'm looking for. It's it's almost like I'm, I'm carrying on. I'm playing a, you know, I'm still in this wave of you know new events and new courses and and new atmosphere. So. Um, that's, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that too. 
Stephen, what do you plan to do in the break? I mean, how long can you allow yourself away from your bag? Uh, and and what what will you do? Because uh, you know, all of a sudden, there's a much more relaxing air about what you 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 can possibly do, and a, a lot less urgency about what you perhaps have to do. How how are you going to spend your break? Yeah, well, you know, obviously, one I'm looking forward to it. Um, I kind of I kind of need to um, just uh, work a little bit more on the body, and and that's what I've been working hard at fitness and and, and get keeping my body in shape on the road. Um, because you know I've felt a few niggles here and there just the last couple of years, and then you start working on things that need need attention. Um, but I've I've been working with a guy locally here who's uh, got me in shape, got me working on the right things, and uh, got my weaknesses sorted out. So I'll continue to work hard on on fitness and and that sort of thing. Uh, in terms of the golf, you know, right now I just kind of feel like I, I do need a break from the game. How long that'll be? Mm. I, I don't. I can't really say right now. But I just. I'm in a place where, um, let's say, I'm just not really uh, concerned about. Or I'm not searching for anything in my game. So I, I know what's working well. You know, um, I, I can keep focusing on those. Let's work on some. You know, um, making some more putts and and um, sharpening up the short game and and, and getting some speed back in my swing because I feel like I've lost maybe a couple of miles an hour just over the last few months just through, through fatigue so you know stuff to work on continuously but I don't for right now I just kind of feel like I, I just need some time off for the game and, and just kind of work on the fitness but spend some time with the family and do some school runs and make some lunches and all that sort of stuff you know what I mean well, uh, Lenny Watkins summed it up for me uh, he's been a terrific golfer on his own right but now he's an analyst on the Champions Tour, he said, man, I can't wait. I cannot wait to see Stephen Olker full-time on the tour next year. And I think that sums it up for uh, us back in the country, mate. What I, what I can say I'm is uh, sure. congratulations on what you have done, Stephen, so far. It is a great pleasure every Monday morning uh, to uh, wake up, turn on the Golf Channel, and see a Kiwi flag at the top of the leaderboard or very close to it. You've done us proud, mate, well, and uh, enjoy the break. Thanks. And we so look forward to... So look forward to next year and Stephen Orker's season. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks for all the support. Appreciate it. Yes, Stephen, enjoy the break. Thank you so much. Uh, Stephen Elker there, folks. Uh, second time we've spoken to him, of course. Uh, very humble guy. Quintessential Kiwi, isn't he? Uh, but he is living the dream and playing the dream. That's the most important thing. Um, so, uh, you know, double eight double three is our, is our text number. Uh, you can uh, get in on that if you like. Uh, what about Stephen Olker says, what about our golfers, our golden run that our golfers are having? Danny Lee gets his card back after an injury exemption, plays out of his skin and gets his card back on the, the very tough PGA Tour. Lydia Ko, here's a stat uh, about Lydia Ko uh, that I wrote down, right? Lydia Ko's earnings now uh, average out of the 198 events that she's played. She has now earned, on an average, 87729 New Zealand dollars per tournament. Get that, 87 grand per tournament, which places her third on the all-time list. If you're a golfer, text us. How do you feel about golf at the moment? If you're not, get interested in golf. We're hot at the moment. Voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.27 here on SENZ and Neville from Dunedin has called us this morning uh, and Neville, aren't the golfers going great? 
Oh, it's great. Absolutely amazing, in fact, what is happening in the golf world at present. And I just wanted to say how good it is that you, um, you know, going out of your way to uh, talk to Steve. Uh, both interviews are really marvellous. And he, he he's is, such a good guy. He is, and, and it's no surprise to me because... Once you find your niche uh, in, in a sport like golf, uh, your happy place, uh, things just start to fall in line for you. And what, what I mean, I, I could have speak, had the same conversation with him about three months ago before this all happened, and his tone and his manner and his humbleness would have been the same, I'm sure. Exactly, yeah. Um, there's no doubt about that. I remember watching him when the um, PGA at Clearwater many, 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 many years ago um, and he's actually a far better golfer than his record shows. Um, mm. I don't know what it is that held him up on the PGA Tours, um, but he's a very precise golfer, as you would have seen uh, when he was playing um, in this last event. Um, but I, yeah, it's hard to believe he could have, what, nine top tens and ten starts. It's It's just... Just so good for him, and he's probably won. He's actually won more money in these uh, ten events, I think, than he's won in his whole career on the PGA mm. Tour. Well, well, that, and that that is extraordinary, Neville. Uh, you know, he's found himself uh, a, a lovely little uh, pot of gold. To be fair, I mean, he lives a lovely life as it is, but now he's got the financial security yeah. um, within his yeah. uh, within his game as well to know that. Um, you know, he, he's welcome on any of those events. He's welcome at all the majors. And not only that, uh, they're starting to fear him, mate. So thank you very much for your call, Neville. Uh, I, I understand your, your sentiments, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really happy that you are enjoying it like the rest of us. Uh, Zane has texted us this morning uh, from freshly mowed fairways of Parapara Umu Beach. Uh, like you, I'm an absolute golf tragic, both as a player and as a fan. After a few lean years on the tour, it's amazing to having Kiwis back in the mix every week. I can't wait to see how Stephen Olker goes next year. If he keeps this up, it'll be awesome to see him and Phil go head-to-head all season. Well, Phil Mickelson's won four, four out of his last, the only six events he's played on the Champions Tour. So Stephen Olker's hot, but he's still uh, got a bit to go uh, to catch up to Phil. It, it's no doubt about that. Uh, Spitty, I'm 35-year-old managing an ever-increasing 400-member golf club. It's refreshing to be in the middle of a golfing boom with a huge resurgence in the 25 to 45 age bracket. Huge credit to the guys flying the flag on the overseas tours for the exposure they provide towards the great game we play. Mike, appreciate your text. Mike from Dunedin. Uh, enjoy your golf, folks, uh, particularly in, in the, the break coming up, particularly you Auckland people who finally, uh, finally at some point will be able to get back on those fairways and, and stride them uh, and just enjoy the walk, I'm sure. So... Uh, yeah, it's uh, been good talking to Steve Olker. We'll have some rugby very shortly with Andrew Goodman, the Tasman head coach. In the meantime, it's 9.30 and it's Trudy time. Well, I'm not sure you can call it quite a dynasty, but uh, it's a good record. They're fashioning the Tasman Marco and they're eyeing up their third NPC Premiership title in a row. But standing in their way is a trip to Hamilton all of a sudden. 
against Waikato this uh, Saturday night. And joining us now is their very successful and young uh, head coach, Andrew Goodman. Good uh, good morning to you, Andrew. Um, you you did the hard yards. You beat Hawks Bay on the road last week, so that's given you a real crack. And uh, that was a good performance. Yeah, good morning, Smitty. Yeah, now we knew going up to the bay, um, as always, it was going to be a, a tough encounter. We knew we had to play our best best game of the season to um, get up a team that's against a team that's been, you know, form team of the competition. So we're yeah, stoked to have another week together and looking forward to the challenge up in Hamilton. Uh, what came out of that performance uh, for you got for you guys from uh, where you stood upstairs? What was the most impressive thing? Oh, just uh, the perseverance and the grit that the boys showed right throughout that uh, 80 minutes. There were some real high-pressure situations, especially, of course, at the end of that game. Um, could have easily gone the other way, but the boys stuck in there and um, just worked hard for each other. It wasn't pretty always, but um, as I said, they... Uh, really showed that they, they care for the jersey and care for each other by the effort they put in. Well, you've had a lot of personnel changes. You only have to look at the, the Tasman contingent that are uh, on the other side of the world at the moment. So you've you've had to fill some gaps, and I, I would imagine that, that would also be one of the most pleasing things, the way you've been able to mould it over a period of time and get to this point. Yeah, really, really, really stoked for um, a lot of our boys that have um, played through our cl- club system and academy this year that have been given the opportunity whether it was through injury or, or as you said, guys um, moving up into the All Blacks to, to get regular game time. And, you know, uh, they've grown each week and performances are showing that, you know, this this needs a bit of consistent time at this level and uh, they're very capable and uh, growing each week, which has been great to see, great for the region as well, to, to see them out there doing their thing. Now, Andrew, you lost Party Party Parkinson, which is uh, not just bad news for you, but for the Highlanders, for New Zealand rugby, actually, out for quite some time. Uh, young Anton Segner didn't look too flash coming off uh, McLean Park at the weekend. How's he come through that? Yeah, he's sore. He's sore, but um, he's still a chance. So we're uh, just um, nursing him through this early part of the week to give him the best chance available to be, be there on Saturday. So um, it's day by day with Anton. Yeah, and as you say, really uh, disappointing for Putty last uh, couple of weeks ago because he's he's had a great season and you know he's just been going from strength to strength over the last couple of years and um, it's awesome to watch. Eh? Just he puts his body on the line and yeah, big loss for for New Zealand rugby as you said. Well, you lost him and it appeared at one point that you might not have uh, Quinton Strange either, but uh, he returned last week. Very very big performance from him. So your co-captains are back together, which means your leadership is is uh, all of a sudden back together as well. Yeah, that was massive for us. Me. Like, um, yeah, the, the calmness that Connie brings to the field, especially up front for our pack, um, is huge. So, yeah, we were really stoked to have him back. Uh, he's worked, worked really hard over the last few weeks after a pretty significant uh, shoulder injury to get back out there. So, um, yeah, great for uh, Grant Hunty to have that little bit of support on the field as well. They worked well together. And... Um, yeah, really pleased that he, apart from that blood bin where he went off, he uh, managed to tough out a pretty uh, pretty good performance first time back after a few weeks off. He did. Actually, I was very impressed with him. Uh, uh, the other guy who's uh, impressed a lot of people, uh, not just Tasman fans either, but uh, Crusaders fans and uh, fans alike really, uh, is Lester Fayanganuku. And of course, he's having such a brilliant season. Uh, but your midfield depth is so good, you, you're you're almost uh, at times forced um, not to play him there because of that depth. Uh, so, man, uh, 
Only just 22 years of age. What a future. Yeah, it's crazy. I think he's only 22. It seems like he's been around a lot longer than that now. He's you know been a prominent part of our team for a number of years and he had taken that form through Super Rugby last year, which was really pleasing to see. And I'm sure he's going to have another uh, big season with the Crusaders coming up. So, yeah, I don't know how much longer we'll have him here. Hopefully not too much longer because I think he's uh, destined for bigger things as well. But as you said, yeah, it's, it was great to have him in midfield because um, I think uh, long-term it's going to be a position that he can really command um, going forward. Yeah. yeah, I think the more the more he gets his hands on the ball, I think uh, the better for everyone in the red jersey. Hey, look, ironically, you know, I mean, you've got to play Waikato this weekend. It was that loss to them when they were dealt to down in Nelson, which probably was the turning point in a way in your season. I mean, that was probably the lowest point that, that you turned around from. Yeah, we did. Uh, we learnt a lot from that game as we did in our, in our Hawks Bay games. So there have been um, two real big games that we've uh, looked at in depth and worked out um, little parts of the game that we needed to tweak and, and get a lot better. So, um, yeah, we, as I said, looking forward. I'm stoked that it is in Hamilton. Um, stoked that they can get back to their homes and it means there will hopefully be a good atmosphere for, for the game for both teams, which I think the players deserve. And um, you can get, he's a great Great rugby stadium, so we're really looking forward to going up there. Mate, you're just 39 years of age as a head coach, um, uh, so that's relatively young by head coach standards. Uh, how, how's uh, your progression as a coach coming along? How, how are you enjoying that role and, and, of course, the one with, with Razor as well? Yeah, first of all, the one, uh, obviously, been really lucky down the Crusaders to, to work alongside Razor and an amazing group of coaches and, and playing players down there, so been a big part of my development and I'll be um, yeah, very grateful for the opportunity I was given down there to, to go and learn as a coach and you know this is my passion up here with Tasman I love the region, um, loved playing here when I, was, when I was a bit younger and you know I grew up here and um, to be honest mate it's yeah it's just something I love doing and coming in coming into work of coaching alongside some of my best mates and um, it's just enjoyable and, and love it so um yeah, looking forward to, as I say, another week together. It's always uh, nice to be playing in these finals. Well, you have to strategise this plan here uh, to turn this around against uh, Waikato. So in terms of the, the modern vernacular learnings, uh, what, are, what has been top of the list from that last performance? Oh, discipline is a, is a big one in these big games. Like we, uh, Hawks base tries all came on the back of, of back-to-back penalties from us. So just... Um, Sitting down with the players in our leadership group, and you know, working through strategies around, um, you know, if we do give away a penalty, how we can um, really stay in, the, stay in the next phase and make sure we uh, get back on top through through sticking to our structures and trusting our game. Um, they're a pretty obvious one, but every time those back-to-back penalties come and we give teams those piggybacks into the 22, that's when we put ourselves under real pressure. So little things like that and. Just the moments that are so important, the little hard balls on the ground and those little things that make a massive difference against a team like Waikato who love, who love the turnover and the counter-attack. So a couple of things we've been looking at this week. Andrew, I'm sure you've got a, an eye on those uh, those teammates or team members that, that are uh, wearing the black jersey overseas. Uh, good news this week is that uh, whilst no other New Zealand rugby player has been nominated for World Awards, Will Jordan has for Breakthrough Player of the Year, and it uh, wouldn't be a surprise if he got it. 
Uh, you've known this kid for quite some time. When, when did you first realise just how damn good he might be? Oh, that first season, he's uh, yeah, one of those guys that's got something you can't coach at that speed and has an anticipation of players, something I've never seen before, some of the things or the areas he pops up in is, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's something that you can't really take credit for as a coach. He's, um, he's exciting to watch, eh, and um, the involvements, as I said, the amount of touches he gets on the ball during a game, the amount of touches he gets on, you know, those double touches in a phase of play, or mm. touches the ball two or three times in the phase of play. That's something that uh, puts him ahead of other players. I think there's an anticipation in those kind of areas. Eyes on David Harvey uh, around the midfield area. You've uh, at times uh, been associated with him uh, playing in fifteen. Uh, where do you think he's most comfortable? Has, has his form just drifted off a wee bit? Are you, are you expecting him maybe to, to bounce back against France if given the opportunity? Yeah, he'll definitely bounce back. Mate. I, I've, um, we love his skill set as a 12. Uh, great distributor. He's got a good kicking game. He's got good vision. And his defence is growing and growing as the year goes through. So um, a couple of tough performances after a, after a really great start for his uh, second all-black. Uh, journey, but yeah, d- definitely expecting David, knowing the um, champion as he is, he'll be putting in a lot of hard work in and um, can expect an awesome performance if he's uh, in that midfield again this week. Wednesday morning, uh, Andrew, so plans for the rest of the week, uh, what's what's the last part of the build-up going to look like? Yeah, we've got a little uh, coffee catch-up with a few of the boys soon, we'll go to the fat, have a look at the uh, last couple of days of training and um, Plan our, plan our rest of the week. It's a beautiful day. So boys will probably be out for a round of golf this afternoon, which is lucky for them. Coaches will be back up in the office uh, planning the rest of the week out. But um, no, we're just trying to enjoy every day. Um, make sure we don't look too far ahead and just, uh, just win each moment as we go through the week. OK, well, uh, travel well, play well, prepare well. Uh, enjoy the occasion. Uh, it's uh, it's a biggie for uh, a lot of those new boys to uh, be the biggest game of their lives. So enjoy it. Enjoy the occasion. Cheers, mate. Appreciate the chat. Yeah, appreciate you two uh, coming on the show, Andrew. Thank you very much, and good luck to Tasman as they head north to uh, Mulu country. So it is uh, the Marco and the Mulu. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, that's it's Saturday, grand final of the Bunnings NPC. It is 90, 9.44 here on SENZ. A couple more texts to talk about. Keep them coming in on the golf. Uh, really love, loving those uh, golfing texts. Uh, there's a lot of you out there love the game, obviously, are playing it. And there's a rejuvenation in the membership numbers at golf clubs, uh, which I think is a very clear indication that the sport is on the rise. No thanks to our superstars overseas. This has come in to say, wondering if Phil Totolangi and Michael Campbell are inspired by Olka. I am of the same age and it used to, used to play in tournaments. They did. And he's lit my fire again. Well, it's an unnamed text, but uh, I'm sure that's the case with a, a lot of golfers who do get their inspiration uh, by watching events on the PGA, the LPGA, and the Seniors, or the Champions Tour, as it's uh, labelled these days. This goes right back, of course, when it was the Seniors Tour, and Bob Charles was just like like Stephen Olker. I mean, he was on the leaderboard and very close to the top of it almost every week uh, and enjoyed a really fruitful but um, you know successful time in terms of his, his golf as well. And... Uh, uh, Stephen Olker's story is, is such a good one at the moment. So, um, round about uh, $1.628 million uh, he has earned in this time 
in this uh, in this last uh, seven or eight week period. So brilliant, absolutely fantastic uh, in that regard. So <clears throat> yeah, plenty of uh, texts coming in on that. So keep them uh, coming in. Um, uh, we've got uh, a busy show uh, for the rest of the day as well. We've got Greg Murphy after ten o'clock. Of course, it's really hotting up in the supercars. Uh, and uh, a couple of new stars emerging there. And what about Formula One? Uh, Andrew Gordy and Pat McKendry, yeah, about 20 past 10 this morning. Plenty to talk about on the panel. Uh, and then uh, Louis Herman Watt and Pip Morris. Uh, and uh, really, we've, uh, we've been graced with royalty, rugby royalty, after 11 o'clock with uh, Sir Wayne Shelford, Buck Shelford. Uh, where are the All Blacks at at the moment? Uh, every time we... We have a loss. We uh, really do sit up and take notice, don't we, and say, well, we're, we're panicking. Uh, uh, the coach has got to go. Uh, he's no good. He's no captain. He shouldn't be playing that team. He's lost his form. Uh, why did we pick him instead of him? Well, Buck Shelford knows all the answers to those. So uh, after 11 o'clock this morning, we shall get those. Uh, some interesting uh, cricket uh, being played at the moment too. Canterbury are 170 for eight as they head into this third day. I won't say it's a, it will be the final day, but it's only the third day. They need another 58 runs to win with only two wickets in hand. So you'd back Northern Districts, the Northern Knights, or the Northern Brave, as they're called these days, to be able to uh, have uh, two good pieces of cricket. Two good pieces of cricket. Um, and Canterbury have to bat well for uh, probably about an hour and a half to get those runs at the, at the least. So you'd favour the Northern Knights bowling to the tail there. Um, and meanwhile, the Central Stags are 285 for six in their first innings lead. Uh, against Wellington, they've got a lead of 47 at this stage, uh, looking to build uh, even further. Uh, Brent has just come in with Smithy, the Mulu all the way. Can you find out how many people can get to the game and what are the protocols? Well, uh, if we can't do it today, certainly find an answer for you tomorrow, Brent, and uh, the availability of tickets, etc. I imagine there's a few Tasman people who wouldn't mind heading north, if at all possible, uh, to support their team. So we'll, we'll try and uh, maybe speak to someone and the uh, Waikato administration um, will get an answer for you anyway uh, as to what the protocols are around that. And speaking of protocols, um, what about the protocols that have just come out from the America's Cup? We haven't got time to talk about them now. I'm going to digest them uh, over the news, and we might talk about them later in the morning. Incredible. Uh, incredible. Um, just the list of what you have to do to spend the money you have to do to win the trophy. Uh, and we don't even know where it's going to be at the moment. 9.53 here on SENZ. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, yesterday was an interesting one. The Boston Celtics did beat Cleveland at $1.62 and Dallas beat Denver at $1.44. France is still playing against Finland in the football uh, and they are at this point in time nil all. So uh, that game's in the balance, but it doesn't matter because the LA Rams were thumped by the San Francisco 49ers. They got a quarterback by the name of Matthew Stafford. Have the Rams, Matthew Stafford. Mark Stafford would have played better than him yesterday. It's as simple as that. Um, so let's uh, look at uh, what we've got today. And we have, as he drops his pad, uh, the LA Clippers to beat the San Antonio Spurs at a buck thirty-three. The Brooklyn Nets to beat the Golden State Warriors at a dollar sixty-three. And here's one for drastic football fans because I've never heard of either side, but they're interesting names and they're playing in the Euro Cup tomorrow morning. Herbalife, Grand Canaria, 
to beat Fruity Extra Borsapur at a dollar forty-eight. So Herbalife to beat Fruity Extra at a dollar forty-eight. Uh, that's a multi worth three dollars twenty. Good luck for that. Just had a text in to say what is your frequency in Nelson for SENZ? I can tell you nine ninety AM is the answer to that. Nine ninety AM is uh, our Nelson frequency and one of the nicest parts of the world. More texts uh, also coming in. Michael Campbell and Michael Long, who has been living in Perth for several years, are playing some events on the European Seniors Tour. Yep, uh, I'm aware of that. And uh, also uh, another one coming in about the America's Cup. We'll, we'll talk more about that uh, as the show goes on later in the morning. Um, but uh, you can look forward to Murph, the great Greg Murphy, after the break here on SENZ. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, we've been asking him every week, but now it's official. Our mate, uh, our teammate and supercars legend Greg Murphy won't be racing at Bathurst this year due to COVID restrictions. Uh, Murph joins us now in his usual slot on this Wednesday morning. Uh, so, yeah, Murph, that's, that's sad news. Yeah, Smithy, uh, just disappointing more than anything, mate. You know, just uh, how these things have all played out. But um, as I've been saying in the last uh, few days, you know, it's uh, it's pretty pretty minor in relation to a lot of other people's uh, struggles around um, COVID and what it's what's it, what it stopped them from doing, and people trying to get into New Zealand and travel and that kind of stuff uh, for for much more important reasons than me going to Bathurst. But at the end of the day, it was um, something we were sort of looking forward to. And I think, um, you know, it's been humbling how many people were uh, supportive and, and uh, of it and the messages we've got since it's uh, been called off. Um, but um, fingers crossed we might actually buddy, uh, just uh, delay um, till next year and, and have another crack at it anyway. OK, well, you know uh, the system, you, you know uh, the programme leading into uh, Bathurst. What... What stage would they be at now in terms of the teams? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there's still still a little bit of um, racing to go. This weekend's the fourth and final round uh, at uh, City Motorsport Park, um, which has been a, a great lead-in for everybody just to, um, you know, get a, a whole bunch of racing in quick fire, um, get through uh, a whole bunch of programs. Uh, they did a bit of testing this week, I think, as well. Uh, they're uh, probably a bit of enduro testing. Co-drivers been in the cars uh, doing some laps. So, you know, the, that side of prep um, is really, really important uh, considering the, you know, all the plans that they have had were thrown out the window. Um, so, you know, they're, they're starting to get their heads around that. Two 250k races this weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park. So enduro style, they'll be refuelling um, a couple of pit stops for each, uh, each car uh, for those races. So they get to get to probably put into action um, a, a bit more of what they are going to need to be doing and expect um, at Bathurst in a couple of weeks' time. So uh, it is strange, very strange that uh, we're still talking about Bathurst. It's going to be December. Um, that, uh, but it is great that the event is actually going to go ahead and, and uh, you know, all the sports fans around New Zealand Australia are going to get to have a, uh, you know, a Bathurst celebration, which is awesome. Yeah, for the layman, uh, the guy who's not quite so much in the know, and I'm putting my hand up here, enduro racing, uh, does it suit anyone more so if you look at the drivers involved, the cars involved this weekend? Does enduro racing uh, bring anyone else to the fore? 
Well, yeah, it does, mate. Um, to be honest, there's there's some great combinations out there, um, and you know, the driver pairing is such an integral part of of being successful in these circumstances. And and you know, no matter you know, no matter who you are, where you are, you know, you can try and talk up your, your combination and and say, oh, you know, it's a great pairing and this and that and blah 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 blah. But there are some standout ones that um will be uh, pretty hard to beat and, and I probably put at the top of the top of the list uh, again same as last year um, Shane Van Gisbergen and, and Garth Panda so uh, GT is, uh, is is just brilliant at stepping into that role he's um, you know he did a, an amazing job for uh, for Red Bull Ampol Racing last year and uh, and for Shane Van Gisbergen um, he's just a, a full professional and and gets the absolute maximum amount of a car. It's like having two full-time drivers uh, driving together, and um, and I find that combination difficult to sort of go past again uh, in 2021. There's some other great combos out there, but this one just is, um, I think, a little bit ahead of the game uh, in respect of comparing to others. Exciting uh, result in, in the weekend with uh, Will Brown, just 23 years of age. Tell yeah. us a wee bit about this young kid. Yeah, Will Will is uh, so energetic. He's he's just so likable in so many ways because of his, his attitude, his personality. Um, he's he's a young guy from Toowoomba. Works incredibly hard. Um, has has proven that he's capable before he did this on the weekend. Um, didn't think I didn't, and I don't think many people did think that he was going to be able to um, in his first rookie season. And especially after the big long break we had, come back uh, out of the break, the, uh, the extended break, turn up at Sydney Motorsport Park and be so consistent weekend after weekend after weekend, and then culminate that with a with a, a brilliant drive to win the final race last weekend, um, and it just sets sets the tone for him for the future. Um, you know, in a rookie year, winning a race and beating two of the absolute best, if not the best drivers in the championship and and getting the job done was was staggering and and that's what the sport needs it needs more moments like that uh young talent coming through to showcase their skills and 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 just bolster the field and and create a a situation where you've you know you you are looking further and further back through the field at potential race winners and and uh, he has done that and done it beautifully and Erebus has supported him really well um, for a for a team that is not one of the absolute great mites of supercar racing like your DJRs or your Red Bulls or your your Tickford, for them to go and do that um, and provide the cars and the tools and and get it all done was was superb. So uh, fingers crossed that that momentum continues. One of the little idiosyncrasies about watching motor racing is uh, is like watching a game of rugby league. Actually, every now and then you see a little bit of biff, a little bit of argy bargy, and it adds a little bit to the flavour and. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen and his teammate uh, Jamie Wincup had a little bit of that over the weekend. It was fantastic. It really was. It's it's interesting, you know, watching and uh, seeing it uh, from the perspective um, from from their perspective, the team perspective. They weren't happy. They were the looks on their faces were distraught. Um, they were you know very concerned about what was going to happen. But from an entertainment perspective, it was fantastic. It was just a, a, great, a great exchange between two drivers, one denying and not listening to team orders, um, uh, which is a, an interesting um, situation in itself because Jamie Wincup 
is going to be the MD of that team, is has an ownership in that operation, has been a spokesperson now for for the team and and taken on other responsibilities uh, this year, uh, you know, in quite a serious way. And to me, that just looked like, hey, I'm a team owner here. I'll do what I goddamn like, kind of scenario. And I, it, it looked to me like he had just decided, you know what? Um, I'm not going to listen to team orders, and I don't have to. Um, I'll answer to myself a little bit. And and it's an interesting, you know, space to go and operate operate in. But what it did do was, yeah, provided us all with just uh, a massive amount of entertainment. It was uh, sensational to watch, and and um, you know, let, let more of it continue. Uh, excuse my pronunciation. I hope to get this right. Anton de Pasquale had a couple of wins yep. over the weekend. He is uh, uh, is he the kind of guy uh, that you can foresee in the future being a championship threat? Oh, 100%. Um, again, he's a he's a remarkable young man. Um, I haven't actually been uh, so much of a, a sort of supporter of, of of the way others have of his um, ability in the past because we really hadn't seen him do what uh, many expected he was capable of doing, but he has now, um, without doubt, gone and stepped up and um, is is showing he is he's a star of the future and a star now, effectively. And without doubt, he's going to be next year um, uh, set uh, the championship alight, and, and it's going to be a much tougher championship next year with with him on, him in there doing what he's doing. Uh, his speed, his his uh, ability to stick that car in pole position and qualifying, and and ways winning races at the moment. I'll tell you what, he's emulating um, Scott McLaughlin in a big way. He very much looks looks like Scott McLaughlin out there in that car and the way he's going about his business. So, you know, we're, we're very excited and, and fortunate that um, he's uh, found his feet there at DJR and with the help of Ludo Lacroix, who's um, probably regarded as the, the best uh, and smartest um, engineer uh, in the in the paddock, um, they've found a really good combination, and it's working well, just like it was with Scott McLaughlin and and Anton is um, is definitely a contender uh, for the championship uh, in the coming years. Merth Formula One now, and they're hailing uh, Lewis Hamilton's drive uh, in the Brazilian Grand Prix when he started tenth on the grid uh, to come through and uh, prevail as one of the uh, one of the better modern day drives. And I disagree. I, uh, I'm I'm sort of um, perplexed by all this uh, this talk and how they're pouring it on to Lewis. Um, I'm actually wondering what all the fuss is about. Um, I don't see it at all, um, which is which is really interesting um, from my perspective. I'm, I'm sort of I've been listening to it and I watched uh, the both the sprint race and the race and and um, and they're just raving and raving and raving. And and if you actually look at uh, listen, not taking away from Lewis's ability, he's he's a phenomenal driver, no question. But the advantage he had on the weekend in car speed was was massive. I mean, Mercedes is the best car on the weekend by a long stretch, and um, and he just drove it the way he should drive it, which is which is in a in the capacity to to win races, and and that's what he did. But there was no competition other than Max Verstappen. So, you know, I, I'm I'm sort of really um, in in sort of you know, that's what I expect him to do, and certainly with the mm. advantage he had in his in his with his car on the weekend, you know, that's what he should have been doing. Um, but I mean, to win by as much as he did at the end of it just shows that that car was in in far superior uh, state than what um, than what anyone else had, and and really, there's only Red Bull and Mercedes in it. They're the only two cars that really are, are doing the job. So 
he really only had to beat two Red Bulls, and that was that was his job. And starting from tenth on the grid with a speed advantage is what he had. That was not a surprise to me whatsoever. So I'm 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 a bit perplexed and a bit sort of um, yeah, not overawed at, at all in any way, shape, or form by Lewis's job on the weekend. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what it does mean though is that Verstappen has had his lead cut to 14 points with three races yep. to go. Yep. Yep. And and if and if Mercedes continue that march, he's in a he's in a lot of trouble. Um, you know, just the speed uh, differential there is, as I said, uh, it's, it's it's been toing and froing. It's been what it has been is a great championship as in respect of that championship fight. It's been brilliant. It really has been. Um, and it did continue a little bit on the weekend. There was a bit of uh, a bit more. Uh, conjecture and, and um, angst between the two teams. Uh, Max did uh, sort of take a big deep dive there at one stage, trying to protect that lead, and, and they both ran off the racetrack. And that went, that's a conversation that went on and on and on and on. I just thought it was great, great battle, great racing, and and so it should be done uh, like that. But um, you know, both teams were arguing their rights and wrongs, and at the end of the day, um, the officials decided there was nothing to answer for, which was great. Uh, so it's been a great battle, and it will go right down, I'm hoping, to the wire. But at the moment, I think it's now back advantage. Uh, Mercedes and Red Bull have got some work to do. OK, Murph, uh, just finally, you have uh, a show, I'm assuming, tomorrow night. What can we expect <laughs> on it with, uh, yep. along with you and Stephen McIver? Yeah, yeah, tomorrow night um, we'll be talking, obviously, uh, a bit of supercars, looking to have uh, Peter Addison, who's the... Uh, the guy behind Boost Mobile and, and um, uh, staunch advocate for supercars and, and also you know big supporter of the Erebus team. Uh, we'll have him on to talk a bit about that stuff. Uh, looking to have uh, Brent Stevens on, who um, is uh, from Palmerston North, lives in the Gold Coast, and was Valentino Rossi's, um, uh, one of his uh, engineers and mechanics for uh, many, many years, was part of many successful world championships with Valentino. Um, he's uh, currently back in the Gold Coast at the moment, so we thought we'd have a chat to him about uh, Valentino's retirement that happened on the weekend and, and just uh, give us a few insights of what it was like working with the greatest of all time when it comes to two wheels. Uh, just just finally, actually, uh, Craig has just texted in, Matthew, you'll be interested in this, says, uh, hi, uh, the supercars on the weekend was awesome. On the Shane versus Jamie incident, I think Jamie has set the precedent for next year when he's in charge, if he gives an order, the drivers can now say, no, we don't follow orders. You didn't. You didn't. What, what, do, you make, what do you make of that? That's excellent. That is, that is excellent. Um, yes. Oh, geez, I hope that does happen next year uh, between Brock Feeney and, and Shane Van Gisbergen and, and see someone ignore it and then bring that back to the paddock. That is a very, very good point. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, is it, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one to look at. And it's just the way I saw it on the weekend. It's like, he's just gone nuts. Nah, I'm in charge here now. I'll do what I bloody well like. And I think they're, they've um, they found themselves in a real predicament. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. It might be a, a good answer for uh, Brock Feeney <laughs> if he denies Shane Van Gisbergen next year um, um, a win or letting him pass. It's a good one. Okay. Uh, we'll leave it at that, Murph. I look forward to your show tomorrow night. Thanks very much for your time, as, of, as usual. Yes, really. Good on you, mate. Cheers. Yeah, it's, yes. Uh, 10.17 here on uh, SENZ. Yeah, uh, we got a panel coming up uh, very shortly, and this morning it consists of Andrew Gordy and uh, Pat McKendry. A lot of issues to talk about. Uh, we we'll, uh, might talk about those all-whites. How good have they been? Um, Pakistan are hosting a 2025 Champions Trophy. Uh, at the moment, uh, are we going there? Who's going to play in that? It's not that far away, actually. 
uh, Lydia Coe's earnings, the golfing run that we're having, um, the All Blacks, still some more uh, fallout from uh, the All Blacks. Where are we heading from here? So uh, those two gentlemen will have plenty of opinions coming up here on the panel very shortly. Patrick McKendry this morning, and uh, Patrick, uh, New Zealand golf's going through uh, a pretty hot phase at the moment. We just had uh, a good chat with Stephen Olker. Uh, what a month and a half it's been for him. It's, uh, it's all good news. Yeah, certainly it's uh, really. What, what's he earned now? This uh, in a few months is it 1.6 million or something in prize money? Mm, Incredible! Absolutely. And I guess um, you know, it, it just goes to show that uh, you know if you persevere, show a bit of resilience, um, and uh, and keep your focus, that things can turn around. And obviously, the senior tour uh, suits him to a T. He's not as long off the T uh, as other guys, other younger guys. And so mixing with um, and playing with, you know, guys like Phil Mickelson, who really came second to uh, very recently, and, and guys like that, and Ernie Els and Gerhard Langer, uh, it, it really suits him, which is, which is brilliant um, from a Kiwi perspective. And it is, Gords, because uh, we hear a lot of stories of just how hard it damn well is to make the grade. Uh, and uh, for a long, long time, Stephen Olko, I won't say he's on the bones, but, um, you know, it's been a battle, put it that way, and all of a sudden, perseverance, eh? That's exactly right, Steve. Morning to you, morning Pat, and, uh, and, and to all the listeners as well. Um, it's, what other sport can you, can you go your entire career, battling the way, battling the way, battling the way, and suddenly you hit, what is he, 50 years old? And he's, he's arguably having, well, he is, he's having the most successful part of his career at 50 years old. It's, it's an astonishing story, um, one of perseverance. And it's just been amazing in recent weeks, hasn't it? It's, it's been a, a weekly occurrence. How's Stephen Alka going? And no surprise, he's, he's up at the top of the leaderboard. Um, long may it continue, and, and really delighted for him um, because, man, there would have been some... I'm sure for every golfer, every golfer goes through periods in their career where, where it is tough. And for some, that goes longer than others. And um, I'm sure Stephen Alka has, has been through some really testing times. And, and like I say, at 50 years old, to be finally enjoying um, some, some great success must be deeply satisfying for, for not only him, but for everyone around him. And not such tough times, it seems, for the All Whites. Hastily arranged fixtures by Danny Hay, who's been basing himself... Uh, in the UAE area, uh, and all of a sudden he's getting uh, stars available and we're winning games uh, with very little preparation. Good signs, uh, Andrew. It is really good signs, Smitty. Um, and and there's, a, there's a couple of sort of things to touch on there. Um, look, look, we're not exactly beating, um, you know, the, the best in the world here, but it really doesn't matter. This team hasn't played together for a long time. And what is important now is that they get into a winning groove before some really important games to qualify uh, for the next World Cup. And I think it's plain for everyone to see now that New Zealand has a group of professional footballers which are, are, are properly world-class. Like they, they can legitimately compete. Um, they are well-skilled, well-drilled, and, and players like Chris Wood, obviously, and Sapreet Singh, and others, um, that these are guys who just aren't daunted by any task uh, that's, that's put in front of them. And I know, obviously, we had a, we had a, a fine moment in New Zealand football history in, in 2010, um, but this is, this is different. We've completely moved into a new sort of era now, I think, for, 
for football in this country. Um, we're playing a completely different style of football um, and one that is, you know, really one to be proud of. So I hope that Danny and this group can uh, can continue on this upward trajectory because they've definitely got the talent. There's no question about that. And, um, yeah, who knows? There might be some... Um, might be another big moment for New Zealand football just around the corner. There may well be, um, Patrick. There might well be a better moment for the All Blacks as well as we head to, to France. Uh, what now um, are you looking at here in terms of uh, this particular to- uh, tour? Um, you know, we started well, uh, but we're not finishing like a train. How are you gauging it at the moment and how much does it hinge on France for you? Uh, yeah, it's very important. Um, Look, I think um, a couple of things surprised me uh, in that loss to Ireland. And I've been thinking about it since. I don't think I've ever seen an opposition pack, uh, certainly an, uh, an opposition pack from the Northern Hemisphere, carry the ball uh, with more confidence and clarity than the All Blacks. Um, you know, every, every time Ireland uh, got the ball, uh, you, you sort of suspected they'd hang on to it and be dangerous with it. The opposite was the case for the All Blacks, and I haven't seen that in a long time, and that, and that was really disappointing, to be honest. Fair play to Ireland, they played really well, you know, and the way they, the way they created space on the outsides um, and those outside channels um, was was a masterclass in tactical uh, thinking and and the methods that they used, and I think the All Blacks can probably learn a bit about that themselves. Um, we, we didn't really see anything new from the All Blacks, particularly from set piece. Um, they were just sort of seemed bewildered around um, uh, methods for creating space themselves. Um, and that's something we need to see in Paris against France. We need to see the All Black pack step up. But we also need, if Bowden Barrett is ruled out, as we suspect he will be due to concussion, we need Richie Moonga to to really step up because I was disappointed in his performance. You know, coming on in Dublin after 20 minutes, replacing Barrett, that was a great opportunity for him to really stamp his mark, and he didn't do it. And he he almost went missing, to be honest. And I, I just think that he needs to be better than that in big tests. He needs to stand up and run the show. And if he does get that opportunity, uh, I really I really hope he does it for for his sake and the All Blacks. Okay, we're going to take a, a quick news break, Gords. I'll give you a, a chance to uh, get in on that as well. What what worries me is that the pundits are saying there didn't appear to be a game plan. How far into a tour, uh, how long into a tour, uh, do you have to wait until uh, even against a, a side that's coming at you, uh, you find a game plan? Bit of a mystery to me. Anyway, here's Trudy with the news at uh, 10.30. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yes, two learned gentlemen with us this morning, Patrick McHendry and Andrew Gordy. And Gordy, yeah, what, what do you make of that uh, that performance? And, uh, well, I, I won't say the backlash from it, but the reaction to it. Yeah, look, I've got to say, watching that game on, on, on the weekend, you, you were just watching it with this feeling of, we're just, the All Blacks are just not in this game. They, they, they weren't even close to the Irish, and, and like you quite rightly say, credit to the Irish for that because they clearly came into this game with a plan of how they were going to beat the All Blacks. They executed it and, and that's, that word execution, that's normally a, a word that you associate with, with the All Blacks and, and they just weren't there. They weren't anywhere near it on the weekend. Ireland fully deserving of their victory and you, you just go through some of the results this year. I mean, they were 
they were pretty underwhelming against Sicily. Um, there's probably only been one uh, emphatic performance, I suppose, and that was when they put 50 on the Wallabies um, at Eden Park. And who's the yardstick now for, for, for the All Blacks? Because, you know, we always talk about, you know, the All Blacks holding their place at the, 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 the top of the rugby mountain, so to speak. I just don't know that they're there at the moment. Um, in fact, I can confidently say they're not there at the moment. Um, and the concerning thing is the game plan. The concerning thing is the structure. Um, if, if, if the All Blacks are tactically being outplayed, well, that's something that happens off the field before the game, not during it. Um, and I think there are going to be some, some questions, really, to answer. I, I just get this horrible feeling that the All Blacks are just sort of treading water at the moment, and, and they're always a team that we look to to be leading the way, coming up with new new ideas and new strategies, new ways of playing the game. And that just it just doesn't feel like that's happening at the moment. And other teams uh, are taking over that mantle, and it does make you wonder if that's what we're talking about right now. Well, where are we going to be in a year or two's time um, when it comes around to, to to the next Rugby World Cup? You sort of fear for perhaps what might happen um, when it comes to the next major tournament. Uh, OK, let's go move to a little bit of cricket now. Pat, I'm sure that you, you watched um, uh, the Black Caps. Uh, you're a little disappointed like uh, the rest of it, but the campaign was pretty sound, and now, of course... They have to uh, front up uh, as recently as as early, I should say, as uh, later this week against India, and a pretty important series as well. So, um, not it wasn't what we wanted, but it's it's still pretty cool. Oh, remarkable, you know, um, a remarkable performance from the Black Caps. Uh, a bit unlucky, I guess. Um, that uh, well, let's just say that they were completely outplayed by Australia in the final. However, uh, unlucky to lose the toss. It probably did uh, make it a, a big difference. It was quite significant, as, as the Australian captain said afterwards. Um, but, yeah, uh, I guess the, the, the only slightly disappointing thing there is that Kane Williamson uh, won't be involved in the next ball, which is only, only just around the corner, because no doubt he has picked up a whole new bunch of fans uh, by that performance in the final, uh, the way he flipped the switch and death. You know, um, did what he did. Um, again, remarkable. And so, um, uh, you yeah, know, hopefully they can kick on. Um, I think New Zealand Credit's in a great place. They look extremely well organised uh, as an organisation, um, which is brilliant. And, um, yeah, as I say, I just hope they kick on. And, and, and rather than sort of see this as, as a big disappointment, use it as a motivation for, for future performances. Gord's in not such a, a great place as uh, English cricket we are reading, um, you know, over this, uh, this, these uh, revelations from uh, Azeem Rafiq, which has got, gone as high as Boris Johnson, actually, uh, with him commenting on it. Uh, what have you made of this? I'll tell you what, Smithy, um, without a word of a lie, most of this morning I've just been uh, on the Twitter feed and going through some of the videos uh, of his testimony at this at this hearing that was held overnight in front of a parliamentary select committee, I tell you what, some of the stuff that he has said is deeply disturbing, and uh, it's—I I admire his courage so 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 much because that is a, that is an awfully hard thing to do, and you and you you will know, we all know um, what the, the backlash I suppose that he is—he can probably expect um, 
from not only people that he played with, um, but also on social media, etc., etc. Actually, though, uh, the the support for him has been overwhelming. And I tell you what, uh, the reason I admire him, there, there is going to be change come of this because now you've got some pretty high-profile people. Obviously, some of the names that have been mentioned, uh, Michael Vaughan is now trying to, you know, defend himself uh, to, to the help. Um, you've even got uh, people like David Lloyd, um, that, you know, coming out and, and apologising as well um, for, for things that have been said about them in this hearing. Um, it's, a, it's a real wake-up moment, I think, for, for a lot of people in the game to know that they'll just be checking themselves, I think, going, gee, like, I, I didn't necessarily think that I was saying or, or doing anything to contribute to this, but now when it's aired like this, people will stop now and they'll go, this, this behaviour can't, can't happen because I don't want to be the guy uh, who, who's named in these sorts of circumstances going forward because of some, an off-the-cuff off comment that I, that I made that I thought was harmless. Actually, people are going to check themselves now when it comes to that sort of stuff. And like I say, there will, there will definitely be positive change come from this and the behaviour that is seen in and around cricket teams and other sporting teams as well, I'm sure, in the UK and hopefully around the world will change because of what Adeem Rafiq has done overnight. Yeah, but good. Is, I, I get where you're coming from, and it's wrong, and there's no place for it, and that sort of thing. Uh, it, it's not. It's not just. Uh, it's not just cricket here we're talking about. I mean, there are on-the-spot no. incidents uh, that are one-offs and they're regrettable, but they happen. But they're not deep-seated like this appears to be, and that is the real issue for me. And it's not unlike other um, moral adjustments that we're having to make in life, even around the workplace. Is, is that fair? Yeah, it's, it is fair. Um, I suppose the, the, the interesting, one of the interesting comments that was made overnight, because it was put to Azim Rafiq, whether this was a societal issue, and his response was that it's, it's, it's worse. It's worse in professional, from his experiences, he was experiencing uh, racism on a, on a much higher level, being involved in professional sport, than what he experienced in day-to-day life. But you are absolutely right. There is obviously, throughout society at the moment, in, in all aspects of it, there is, a, there is a shift going on at the moment and there is a realisation, I suppose, that behaviours that uh, had been taking place and had been demonstrated, which were previously seen as, like, like he has been talking about, like has been spoken about as a bit of banter and, and whatnot, is actually it's been made clear to people that that behaviour has caused hurt and caused offence. And it's right that those things are, are talked about. And it's, it, I think the other important factor here too is to, is to really make clear that Azim Rafiq is not trying to gain revenge through any of this. It, it will seem like that because of the names that he's mentioning and, and, and whatnot. But uh, I saw a really interesting comment actually from George Sobel, who's um, a, a fantastic cricket writer who's been, um, who's been writing about much of, much of this story, I suppose, this ongoing issue. Um, and he made clear that uh, when Gary Balance came up in conversations and, and, and some of the testimony, Azeem actually reached out to George DeBell and said, I want you to do everything you can to make sure that Gary Balance is supported uh, and perhaps got some of the support that I didn't get uh, when his name comes up in this because he's going to need it. Now, what does that demonstrate? That demonstrates that he's not actually out to get Gary Balance, but Gary Balance, uh, you know, unfortunately for him, uh, is going to be, um, he, he's going to cop this, isn't he? he? He's going to bear the brunt of it because he is the example of what needs to change. And but Adeem Rafiq is making it clear that he's not out to get him. It's about 
it's about making positive change uh, in the game and again and uh, across society as a whole. It is uh, a real issue, a real issue, and it, it's far from finished, it seems. And I thank you guys, uh, Pat McKendry uh, this morning, and uh, Andrew Gordy as well. Some uh, fairly deep, uh, meaningful issues this morning to to chew over, and we've, uh, we appreciate your time in doing it. Thank you very much. Uh, more, there'll be a lot more to come out of this story um, out of Yorkshire, but uh, you know we're not. We look at it. Remember, it wasn't that long ago, was it, when uh, Jofra Archer was. Uh, supposedly abused from the banks of Bay Oval. Um, I recall we're in England, we're touring here, and that became a, a headline. Uh, it is a, it is in society. I mean, we live in a society where I, I don't think you say it's non-existent either. Uh, there's a lot of resentment uh, on both sides. On both sides, there's a lot of resentment, and um, that is uh, it's an inherent sort of thing, and it's hard to get things out of a system where it is inherited. I think you just have to make sure that the situations improve if they can't disappear. They improve, people become a lot more tolerant um, and a lot more respectful. And I think they are two exceedingly important words in the whole debate. 10.42 here on SENZ. I'm not an expert, just an observer. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, 10.47, we've got a little time to uh, reflect on a couple of issues of the day and uh, that includes America's Cup uh, sailing, John, and uh, some news have come out about the protocol announced for the 2024 America's Cup, but uh, no sign yet and apparently we might have to wait till next year for the venue. Yeah, yeah, these things are always massive documents and unless you're a a sailing person, it's all a bit confusing. But I think the main takeaway, Smithy, is they're sticking with the AC-75s but they're having less sailors. So 11 sailors on the last boat, 8 sailors on this one. We might see cyclors again, cycling on a boat. It doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, the big one is where is it going to be held? And that was asked to Grant Dalton this morning. Well, we set a date originally of September the 17th to announce the venue, and honestly that was probably, well, in fact it was too ambitious. I guess the flip side of that coin is that if we hadn't set that date, we'd probably be lagging even more because there'd be this feeling that we had more time. So that date of seven, uh, September 17th certainly focused the mind, um, and it's not easy. Uh, you know, we're looking, New Zealand's not out of the picture, but it's, you know, with the the chances of it being here are, are, are quite slim. I mean, Auckland hasn't been helped by, you know, this uh, bloke Mark Dumphy who's been running around uh, spreading misinformation about numbers and cost, etc. when he actually knows the right numbers in the first place. And that has not helped the situation here at all. Can you tell us the, the venues that are still in the running? Well, they, you know, they, they seem to tell themselves, really, and so we really don't have never actually spoken specifically about the venues. They, they tend to be in the press, and we'll let it, I think, go that way. Uh, and as I say, look, it, it, it's basically a 24-hour clock on venues, so while we're awake, uh, we're working on it, and while we're asleep, Origin Sport with um, Stu and, and Leslie are working on it they're our night and we're just moving this thing as fast as we can it is a massive focus uh maybe there's just one from the one uh, bolter that no one knows about you never know and uh we'll just let we'll leave it like that until we get to 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 you know to a final decision so there you go smithy uh the match venue and appropriate event dates to be announced 31st of march 2022 so just like america's cup these things take a long time don't they yeah, so uh, anyone in uh, that uh, viaduct area who's remotely ho- hopeful, I didn't get 
too much hope out of that, uh, to be fair. Uh, so, uh, but if you're planning to, to go watch it, and a lot of people will, uh, particularly if the world is freeing up as it is, uh, you certainly have the, the opportunity to do so. Uh, we've got a, a joker uh, coming in uh, after the 11 o'clock news, in fact uh, closer to uh, 11.40. It's Tom Furness this morning, look forward to that. He might uh, take a little bit of uh, fun out of this very quick text we got from Richard. Uh, John, I know you want to go to a break, but we can go to a break on, the, on this one. So Richard says, uh, so I called into the petrol station to pump up the tyres on my golf cart, Smithy. To my surprise, it cost $2. I went and asked the dude at the counter why they were charging for free air. He said it was inflation. They have deservedly won the test match here at Nord by 16 points to three, scoring two tries through Denny Charvet, Alain Laurier, Disappointment for the All Blacks, but it's certainly the end of a long, hard season for some of these players. And while they'll be disappointed, I'm sure they'll be relieved in some ways that the rugby season grind is finally over. Yeah, I think so. This is so grand. It's been a very long season, very tiring indeed. Um, a very hard tour over here. Every match has been very physical. Um, not more than the one today. I haven't seen a test match, I don't think, as, as physical as the one that we saw out here. Well, that was the Battle of Nantes back there in 1986, and you can draw a few parallels into, from there into uh, what's about to happen here uh, in 2021 because it's the last game of a long tour uh, by the All Blacks. Uh, they weren't successful on that occasion, but one man who knows all about that particular test match, lost teeth, he got concussed, and uh, other, another infamous injury, uh, is uh, Wayne, Sir Wayne Buck, Shelford Buck, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, 1986 seems a long time ago. Uh, does it still seem a long time ago for you? Yeah, it is a long time ago. <laughs> 30 years, over 30 years. Incredible. Um, mem- can you, your memories of that, have you got memories of that? You, you took a bit of a beating, man. Well, I don't remember the game, but I do remember the injuries, you know. And I think that I'm not, I wasn't the only one. There was quite a few injuries in the team that day even before we started. Because in those days, we only had 26 players on tour. And, you know, you played two games a week. We were on an eight-match tour of France. And, uh, you know, when you're playing two games a week against your top provinces as well, you know, it's like you're playing a test match nearly every, 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 uh, every day, every, every game you play, you know. But it was a tough tour, one of the toughest tours I've ever been on. Yeah. And striking the French in that kind of mood as well, which uh, these All Blacks may well face uh, this weekend in Paris. So, uh, man, they're going to have to lift after what we saw last weekend, aren't they? Yeah, well, I think that uh, uh, I think the boys, you know, I don't know what happened to them, but I still think they didn't give me go forward in last week's game. And they'll need to go forward against the French. You know, you can't play sideways football against the big defences coming up fast, you know. And they're not missing many tackles, these guys. Uh, defend, you know, when they're in their defence, the Irish, you know, they're very... I didn't see them miss too many tackles in their, you know, their defence. And uh, a couple of times, yes, they let us through, but then on the whole, they were pretty good. But uh, the French are just going to be just as good. And I think they're going to be, be wary of them because when they bring on their big boys, and the big boys in the, late in the second half, they can up the tempo a lot more as well. They, they're realising they need finishers. And they'll bring them on, and, and uh, you know they're big, hard, fast boys. So it's um, 
you know, we've got to be on our game and I think we can't afford to be just playing sideways all the time and play the game of who lasts the longest. Their kicking game is good. Ours is not so good. Um, you know, we allow, we kick them too far and we don't compete them half the time. And our defensive line isn't always coming up on the line together. So it's, it's going to be a tough ask to get, get up again, but, you know, that's why they're there. They're the best in New Zealand. So we expect the best from them every time they go out there to play. Buck, uh, one of the, uh, I think one of the things that has come out of it, most people are saying we didn't appear to have a game plan. Um, if that's the case, that's pretty concerning when you've been around so long and you know the quality of your opposition and what they're likely to do. But uh, would, would you say the same thing? Did you see a game plan or was it just not implemented? Well, it's pretty hard to see their game plan because what they're doing is they're shifting the ball sideways go to the middle of the field or play one ruck one side then go back to the other side one ruck and they don't move the defences around. Uh, they're not penetrating the defences because our, our ball runners are actually being stopped behind the game line. And um, especially with the big fellas when we carry the first two or three rucks, uh, we're, not doing any, we're not doing any damage to the defensive line because we're actually catching the ball flat-footed. And I think they need to stand a little bit flatter, run onto a flat pass and punch it, try and punch the holes. Um, but I think we need to do it a little bit wider off the, off the ruck because that's where they're at their strongest around the ruck. And, you know, we just went straight back into last weekend against the Irish, went straight back into the heavy guard where, you know, they're not, they're not going to miss many tackles around there, around that area. But uh, notwithstanding that, um, I think that the game plan for them is to play sideways, side to side, and they're looking for their players to step into nice holes but you remember, the rest of the world has caught up to us, and they're as, as fit as us, they're as strong as us, and basically they know that we don't like the, um, the, the fast backline coming up. But we didn't actually, didn't actually kick well at the same time. I don't believe we kicked well at all. And, but, you know, it's an, it's an awakening for them because they've got to get back to playing some... I think the, the game that I was really impressed with was, was the one they played earlier against Wales where they really went into pick and go, you know, pick and go and really try to hit, the, hit those gaps, get on the front foot and then play once they got on the front foot. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, irrespective of the game plan, we didn't see much of that on on uh, on Sunday morning. Okay. Uh, the other area where we uh, appeared to have been found wanting was was in the type five area. There just uh, there wasn't enough uh, there to dominate it in many instances around the collision area, etc. Um, and they appeared to be our best type five. Uh, so was that just a flat performance, or um, do we have to think uh, otherwise about it? Oh, I just think it, uh, it is what it is, you know. And something is everyone's got a different perception on what actually happened, and um, we all look at things differently. And everyone's got a different level of uh, what their expertise in the game because some played at the highest level and some didn't. Some played club rugby all their lives, you know, but they've all got an expert opinion. So it, I, I, I look at it as a, as a game that we lost because we didn't really front up in the right areas up front. You know, you've got to win, you've got to win the front battle. Our line-out was pretty good. Our, our, our scrum was pretty good. But we're actually still going into the rucks with only one person, maybe two. We need to send in a few more because uh, Ireland picked a few balls off us because we, we just didn't have the manpower in the, in the rucks. 
And so we're, we're not reacting quick enough. Uh, maybe we've got tired, but uh, there's not, that's not an excuse today. Not in the, the professional world. Um, okay, let's... Yeah, we, we have expectations are so much higher. Okay, let's look at uh, those people arriving at the rucks then, and generally that um, is around your loose forward area. It's been very contestable in terms of who they're going to pick uh, on this particular tour. I don't quite know uh, if they have a top combination. Do, do you see a top combination? Not at the moment. Not at the moment. I think, um, you know, I, I just think as long as our scrum is strong, that's good. But some of our ball carriers don't get a lot of yardage because they're standing so flat and it's in a, you know basically almost passing square off the line uh, and they get end up going straight to the ground um, uh, I just think that um, you know Artie Artie Severe is a seven you know I'd, I'd play him at seven or even if you play two sevens uh, playing left and right whatever it is and that way there they, they, they they're around the field and working their butt off two of them, but just hold sides, and uh, whoever they put at number eight, you know, I, I like Akira at number eight, rather than on the blind side, I think he's got some big power off the back, and we could use him a few more times off the back of the scrum, and if, if we could do that, and get on the front foot, just with a bit of, you know, really quick, clean rucks, quick, clean rucks, and get rid of that ball, because I think, uh, you know, I'm not knocking... Um, Another, but you know he's a good footballer. But I think he's a bit slow at times. He, you know, to actually get rid of the ball quickly, and uh, that's what we want: is quick ball at the ruck. It looks, uh, for all intents and purposes, as if Bowden Barrett is out. So that will probably be Moonga, you would assume. So a, a Moonga Aaron Smith combination may just fix that that uh, particular slowness area. Yeah, I, I think that um, they're both good footballers. You know irrespective of um, Aaron not having a game in the last month or so. He's, he's, he's played a couple of, um, you know, ITM games or Bunnings games. And, uh, and so I think so he's still being up there running around, but probably not to the same intensity of what Test Match Rugby is. But he, he, he's, he's played 100, 100 Test Match, 101 Test Matches now, and he knows what it's like. So he'd be ready for it. And I think that Moanga being in there and, uh, you know, it's it's... Unlucky for Bowden, but it gives opens up that doorway for Moanga uh, uh, to actually have a great game. And if he can have a, get us on the front foot and use that ball, kick it into the corners, uh, like uh, what he does for Canterbury, sometimes it's not about just using the ball, but it's kicking for position. But we've got to get into positions to actually kick good position and uh, use that ball well, upset the French, push them back into the corners, and uh, keep on top of them defensively. And the chances are we'll win the game. But I think we've got to do everything right. We can't afford to make the mistakes we made last week. Mm. So in terms of those loose forwards, uh, Buck, you're looking perhaps in your eyes anyway at Artie and uh, at seven, another seven, uh, certainly Arkira in the mix. So if you had to, if I had to nail you down to pick three to start, who would they be? Well, if they're going to go with the incumbent captain of the side, which is uh, Kane, I'd go with Kane on one side, Artie on the play both sides. You know, play, play both open sides. Stay in your stay in your channels, and Akita is the one who floats. And I think that we've got two really good sevens there, and we should use them. I'm not saying that Papa Ely is not a good seven, 
and he, I thought he played pretty well last week, defensively very, very well. And uh, we want to be on more on a more on attack. And I think both uh, Artie, Artie and um, our number eight are very good ball carriers. Uh, Kano, not so much, not as good as Artie, but the thing is, he's on the ball all the time. He's a nuisance around the field. And, uh, you know, he just got that experience around him. So I think that uh, they could be a good mix. You know, that's what I would look at, but uh, it's not my call at the end of the day. It comes down to the coaching staff. Well, this test match for you, anyway, for this test match, if we were to lose this, um, would you, <coughs> which would be two in a row, <laughs> Uh, we lost to South Africa as well and on this tour. Where would you say the year of uh, All Black Rugby would sit in terms of uh, success and development? Well, as far as development goes, you actually you do actually um, develop when you're actually playing games on tour. And uh, for the young ones who are getting that opportunity, which is good, you've got to learn what that intensity is all about and how the games are played. And what the biggest thing I, I think they've got to get out of this is that you actually, you've got to go forward to win games. You've got to be going forward all day, you know. And we were going backwards an awful lot in the first half. And even when we, we got in front before half time, it still wasn't enough. We needed that in the second half as well. But then we let them in for a try quickly into the second half, which they closed their gap very readily, you know. And, and basically from there, they got their noses up. Up, up and basically heads up high and they just came at us and came at us and we haven't done that to a side for a long long time that sort of uh, that sort of brazen you know just mm. you know we want this game more than you and we're going to play play like bloody demons against you and we need to play like that as well and you know it was a hell of a game last week but we still lost by nine points by giving away cheap penalties silly penalties that uh, you know professional footballers you know they know about this, and the penalty count was very similar, but we just gave away, you know, where they actually kicked goals and got in front of us, basically. But notwithstanding that, they they have to be going forward, and we've got to actually steer clear of the fundamentals of catch and pass, make sure the passes are in front, and we hit and we catch the ball, carry the ball well, Re- recycle the ball and do it again and again and again, and play for position if we have to, all those sorts of things. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's about doing this, everything correctly. You know, the game plan, it's... Well, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that uh, they haven't changed their back back attack for the last... I'm looking at the last four to five years. And now everyone's caught up to us and know how we play. And they're actually shutting us down. They read us like a book now. They know exactly what the way we're going to play. And uh, we've got to change it up and do something different. Well, that's that clearly is yeah, it's a it's a strategy thing, isn't it, then, Buck? So, uh, what are we looking at here within the coaching group? Well, you know, I just hope that uh, we have the nous to actually say, let's take them on up front, take them on up front. Let's go. Let's use our big forwards. Maybe not up the yeah, okay, first ruck, second ruck, whatever it is. Use the big blind size. Use a kid coming off the off the line out. Use some moves. And go to the malls early, all that sort of stuff, and really try and tie up you know, that big pack of the French, and leave the running to later in the game when when everyone is still fairly fresh in the backs. But you know when we're running sideways all day, and I just hope that the selections are the right selections. I just think that um, 
at times we, we, we're so flat that we're using our feet all right, but we're still getting tied up in the tackle and being driven backwards. So I think that we need some just pronounced second 5'8", running hard lines into holes, trying to breach the line. Exactly what Karevi uh, done to, done to uh, the South Africans, run some hard lines and don't worry about the feet too much and try and bust the holes in the, in the defensive line. Because when you're stepping on your feet, you get caught up, you've got no, on, no forward momentum, have you? All right, you get no. caught. So you end up getting driven backwards. <clears throat> so I think that we've got to change our tactics, uh, especially in the, the way we adopt our attack in the back, back, especially in the first two phases, two or three phases of back play, and really take them on and try and bridge those gaps. We've got the skills to do it. We've, well, I've seen it done before, but the thing is, they just get caught up in the sideways game where we're going sideways and backwards half the time. Mm. Hey, Buck, so as always, man. And I think, uh, yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, one of the first things that you get taught when you become a coach and, and you start coaching is you have once you get the ball, it's about going forward. You've got to go forward. Mm. And so the thing is, we go sideways a lot in this team. And so it goes against the principles of how we play the game. So, you know, because thanks so much for your time, mate. As always, very sage words. Uh, we are a lot of people hanging on them. We've had reaction to them already um, uh, from what you've been saying. So that's uh, terrific. Uh, you, you, you're all, all good with you, mate? Going, you, you're going well? All good? Yeah, all good. All good, yep, yep. Just waiting for the, the, the Auckland to open up so I can get out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think yeah, well, to open those borders up so we can get out of Auckland and go and go and see other people, see relatives, all that sort of stuff. Go for a couple of days holiday down in Rotorua, down in Taupo, all that sort of stuff. You know, yeah. Yeah, be good. Yeah. Well, we look we look forward to that opportunity for you and to, to all Aucklanders. In the meantime, mate, as always, thank you very much for your time. Stay safe and well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, mate. Yeah, yeah. Cheers. Uh, Buck Shelford, man, uh, when he speaks, you listen, eh? You, you, know, you understand why he was such a great leader. Uh, and it's not, it's not cryptic crossword stuff, is it, folks? It is the honest, the basics. The try line's in that direction. That's the direction we have to be heading more often than not, not the touch line, the try line. Uh, and, I mean, you, you heard it. So, in so many things he said there, uh, not in so many words, but in the thinking behind that, it was just so... So clear, so obvious, and uh, you can imagine in those days when he stood up in the dressing room and said that, uh, and he picked it up off the back of the scrum, and you got him behind. That was the end of that. Uh, and Zimo has said, bring back Buck, still the legend, should be the All Blacks coach. Such knowledge. Simple, very simple. Keeps it simple, Buck, and uh, uh, maybe that's what we have to do, but we have to be harder uh, and more defined in the direction we're heading. Win, uh, brilliant, love talking to him. 11.21 here on SENZ. The uh, York Yacht Club have pulled out and uh, Team New Zealand Star Sailors don't want to race in the Saudi area. So Dalton has made an absolute mess of this. I, I know he polarises people. Uh, Liam said he's, he's that good he would probably fit in well with the Labour Party. So Liam, you're showing your colours there, boy. Um, yep, don't mind it, but uh, yeah, showing your colours and... Uh, Grant Dalton, he, he certainly does. He does polarise people, doesn't he? Uh, when we're going, when it's going good, he is an absolute champion. But in between times, he tends to irk a few. I think it's fair to say. Uh, Chris says, "Morning, Smithy. What do you think about the ICC organising a white ball tournament every year?" Uh, and this is on the back of the schedule they announced uh, yesterday. Man, is it busy? 
Uh, Is that too much of a good thing, or will we see more meaningful cricket? Uh, What we will see is uh, more white ball cricket. Uh, Simple as that, Chris, and we're going to see that. It's a very busy busy schedule uh, coming up uh, on the back of a a pretty successful T20 competition. Uh, And, and of course, it's uh, it's income. It's exposure for the game. It's taking it more and more global. They're looking at a a tournament in the United States, co-hosted by the USA and the West Indies. Of course, uh, they're looking at us down the track with Australia again, and they're looking at taking the Champions Trophy to um, Pakistan, which is an interesting one in itself, and that might be two or three years away, but at the moment, who would go? Uh, how successful will it have to be, uh, and, and how many teams would go and, and make themselves available, or who would pull out, and uh, what about the security and all those sorts of things? So yeah, that, that is, uh, And that would be a great thing, by the by. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it would be a good thing if we, they could take cricket back there en masse. So everyone has to buy into the whole thing. Uh, so, uh, and that would include us, of course, and, and that's a couple of years away uh, from being in the offing. But uh, that is one of the good things to come out of all those announcements. You can uh, see uh, what's lined up there uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, those future events. To, for instance, uh, 2024, uh, the US and the West Indies here. 2026, uh, this is the T20 World Cup. India and Sri Lanka, 2028, Australia and New Zealand in 2030, uh, best part of a decade away, they're saying we'll be going to England, Ireland and Scotland. Uh, And then uh, in the One Day International World Cup, South Africa, Zimbabwe and Namibia will host in 2027, India and Bangladesh in 2031. And the Champions Trophy, yes, Pakistan and then India. So the subcontinent getting a huge, a huge amount of it. Uh, it is 11.30 coming up here on SENZ. Uh, there's another text uh, I shall be reading out uh, between 11.30 and 12, quite an, uh, an, an involved one, uh, on uh, Ian Foster, actually. Uh, and as you can tell, it's probably not a good one. Uh, 11.30, uh, and then when we come back, uh, we shall be having... Oh, shall we have a stump smithy today? Oh, yes, we will, because there's $100 at stake. $100 at stake. Get on the phone quick. Uh, this could be a bonanza for you. That's his job. Welcome back in to Jackpot Day. 100 bucks from the TAB up for grabs and also those daytime revived sleep drops. New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. And I've got a provincial rugby enemy on the phone, Bruce from Hamilton. Looking forward to Waikato versus Tasman uh, in the big dance, mate? No, I support counties, not uh, oh. Hamilton. Where you're born, so, yep. Oh, I like that. I like that. You're a good yeah. man already. Excellent. Oh, yeah, no one likes Waikato or Canterbury, or Auckland, <laughs> or Hawke's Bay. Matter of two. Oi, oi, oi. Oh, yeah, good on you, uh, Sorry. <laughs> Making a lot of enemies, Chris. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go and you you win, lose, or draw. You go and sort yourself out, Bruce. Bring your therapist. Goodness me. <laughs> There's oh, 26 juniors, I think there is, so I've got to get 325 of them. <laughs> oh, good stuff, Bruce. All right, mate, you know how this game works. You get three sporting categories, you yep. choose one, three questions, get them all right, you win, but get one wrong, and Smithy can and will stump you. So today, rugby union, cricket, and golf. Which one of those do you like? Uh, we got cricket. Cricket, nice. And, oh, man, so many victims of cricket with Smithy, but good luck to you, sir. Cheers, mate. Thank you. She was a while ago now, it feels like a lifetime ago, but the Cricket World Cup T20 final, Black Caps Australia. Kane Williamson top scored for the Black Caps. How many runs did Kane Williamson make in that final against Australia? 
83. One of the worst things I have ever seen done Ooh. on a cricket field. Hard to remember exact numbers, especially in T20. Smithy, you got any idea yeah, what Kane ended up on? Look, I, I don't remember scoreboards at all. I see so much cricket and, and uh, I just really, uh, numbers just sort of drift by me. Um, I, I know I went thinking at one point that he might get 100 here and that could be really special um, on this particular stage. So I'm going to go the Australian lucky number 87. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. If you take the average from both of your guesses, you were right. So Bruce with 83, Smithy with 87, it was 85 off 48 balls. What a knock from Kane. All right, Bruce, still alive. Who took the most wickets at the T20 World Cup for the Black Caps? Uh, Trent Fox. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. He certainly did, Smithy. He was pretty yep, good, wasn't he? Absolutely. Oh, I like he was outstanding. He made the uh, tournament 11 2, the only black cap to make it, which was uh, interesting in itself. But, however, Bruce, don't choke, mate. Don't <laughs> choke. Here you go, boy. Don't you choke. This is the one, Bruce, for 100 smackaroos. Good luck, boy. Oh, the sledging behind the stumps is great. All right, I hate the answer to this one, Bruce, but I hope you get it. Who was named the player of the tournament at the T20 World Cup? Uh, Davy Dum Dum, wasn't it? <laughs> That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, I thought I hated the answer, but when you put it like that, Bruce, well done, mate. You are a winner. Those sleep drops are going to come your way, and as well as that hundred bucks from the TAB. Yeah, we did. By by the way, we did beat Hulk to win the rank thirty seven for the first time, so that was uh, quite good. So they're kind of like not too bad. Okay, Bruce. That's yeah. all right, boy. I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it to you today. I'll give it to you today because you are a winner, sir. Stay on the line, and uh, Brian and will get all those guys. details and turn that turn that hundred bucks into a lot more. Do do us all a favour, mate. And take it yeah. off the TAB. Good work. Good Thanks. work, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, very shortly, folks. Uh, here on the uh, morning show, uh, we'll be talking to Mark Stafford before midday. But before that, we have a very important guest and a very talented man, and Tom Furness. Do you have? Uh, did you have um, growing up like most uh, young kids in the playground any aspirations about being a great or uh, New Zealand sportsman? I I I had all of them. I I was a rugby rugby mad. I was the kid that um, since 1997 I didn't miss uh, um, test until maybe I started uh, imbibing a bit too much in my mid twenties. But uh, I I remember 1997 uh, rugby season so well, and I just wanted to be. And all black, but I lack, lack the athleticism to pull that off or anything. I was a club champ in tennis, um, but there was only uh, two other people in the club. It was a very small club. So uh, I, I'm, I'm a sports mad guy, but I have no physicality to kind of back that up. I like to watch rather than to do it, I guess. Well, but I, I'm not sure that that's right, uh, Tom Furness, because. I know for a fact that uh, you were once a budding bodybuilder. That's I have. I, I also came third in the South Island uh, bodybuilding champs. Uh, again, it was uh, out of three people in that instance. Uh, but uh, I looked. I looked very good. I had a heck of a tan. Uh, it's hard to describe for radio, but just think of the uh, look. It was borderline blackface. I think in terms of how white I began and how tanned I was, which uh, 
it's probably not a good thing to admit to, but it was uh, it, it was an experience. These days, um, they tell me you're you like your Formula One. You like uh, what? You like your Lewis Hamiltons, or, or how did that come about? I'm Max Verstappen. I through for a legal. I think, like a lot of people now, it was the Netflix series um, "Drive to Survive," and I just I, I loved the the drama and um, the between the main teams and even the smaller teams. But uh, this season has just been incredible uh, with uh, Lewis Hamilton, who is obviously one of the greats, if not the greatest, against this young upstart Dutch chap Verstappen, who I find almost unlikable. He's an anti-hero, but I absolutely want him to win because he's he's so arrogant and uh, so what you wouldn't expect out of a great sportsman. But I guess in Formula One, these these kind of characters do come out, and uh, it's and it's incredible, especially now that we can kind of see the races in um, decent time zone for us because the last few ones have been about nine a.m., whereas usually it's in Europe time. So I've been loving it lately. Well, it's interesting, Tom, that um, you know, you quite like uh, the guys that other people don't like because uh, if it came to tennis, um, you'd probably be a Djokovic fan then. I'm, I'm 100% a Djokovic fan. I um, I had to take about a week off work when he lost in um, New York recently. I was so devastated. It was I'd pegged that as my the greatest sporting moment within my lifetime if he won that. Um, and of course he didn't, Medvedev was probably always going to win that, but uh, I've only just recently found out that Djokovic has a few maybe interesting theories on uh, the vaccine, uh, which we don't need to get into, but uh, I kind of still like him. I uh, I love him. So what do you like about him? I mean, you know, he just, just I don't know either why so many people dislike him, but what are, what are the... Uh, what are his assets, apart from a racket and, and the way he uses it, what are his assets to you in terms of being a bloke? Well, to begin with, I don't know if you recall, but early on in his career, he bought, he was very comedic. He um, did impressions of every player, um, Nadal. He, um, he he was like a joker, on the joker, that's what they call him. And he was good, he was a good player, but then all of a sudden something switched and he just decided, I'm going to be a great player. And I guess I kind of associate something with that uh, with my own career of starting in comedy and then moving into writing there's something about um, the joke of becoming serious uh, and then doing a good job of it uh, but uh, yeah he's definitely got his traits that I uh, maybe wouldn't agree with but um, I, li- I like the anti-hero in sport, I really do Tom Furness, uh, you got a film uh, which was due to be produced by uh, the great Taika Waititi's company in September, but that has uh, been pushed back like most things in life. Tell us uh, tell us a wee bit about that film. Yeah, so uh, that's a film I've been writing since uh, my university days, actually, before I even did stand-up, and uh, it's I just recently got it off the ground with Taika's company, um, Picky Films, and uh, it's to be directed by Rachel House, who is a... Um, she's a great director and been in a lot of Taika's films, including Hunts of the Wilder People. Um, and it's about um, some kids who go and climb the mountain, actually, because that's another one of my uh, fascinations is um, mountaineering, particularly uh, Sir Edmund Hillary and uh, the likes of Mallory and Irvine, if you know them, who repeatedly climbed Everest first. Um, I love mountain climbing. I think it's part of our DNA in this country, and it's a story about kids who go and climb one.
Okay. Um, mountaineering, I mean, you're a very diverse person. I mean, Formula One to bodybuilding uh, to cricket to rugby uh, and to mountaineering. The, the fascination, I think, uh, is, is, is an easy one to get on, on the, the Hillary story and probably still uh, Tom is uh, right up there with the greatest uh, of all New Zealanders, isn't he? I think so. I think for what he did outside of sport, and again, he uh, had some massive hurdles to overcome in his life too. He lost his uh, his wife in a uh, plane crash, and he, mm. but he still he rebuilt from that and uh, carried on his way. And uh, if anyone hasn't read it, um, I'm sure people haven't, but uh, his autobiography and his writings are amazing to read. He's actually a very good writer. Um, so yeah, great New Zealander um, up there with the All Blacks and Black Caps, in my um, opinions. Okay, hey Tom, fantastic to catch up with you. Find out a little bit more about you, your passions, etc. And uh, I've learned a lot actually. So uh, I look forward to this movie. Uh, I really do, and uh, I shall be uh, watching it with interest now that I've got to know you a wee bit better. Thanks for joining us this morning. It's been fun. Thank you very much. Uh, hopefully a bit of better weekend coming now uh, this weekend with the French. Yeah. Yeah, let's beat the French, eh? Let's absolutely thrash them. That would be fantastic. Uh, right, okay, here we go. Uh, some text, uh, late text coming in. Um, and this is one I I, uh, I really do um, appreciate from Zane because it mentions a name that we're perhaps lacking in terms of uh, what Buck Shelford was talking about. Quick note on the rugby. Thinking about how we've struggled in the midfield this season, it surprises me more people haven't mentioned how much we missed Jack Goodhue. Uh, for me, we really need that big body who can cart it up and set up quick second phase ball. And the other name that uh, Zane has thrown in there, Laumapi. Nani Laumapi. Talk about someone going direct, uh, as Buck Shelford wants us to do. Nani Laumapi was one there. Um, I promise you this one about uh, Ian Foster. They're never very good when you read them. Uh, and uh, I'm not apologising for it, but uh, you know, that's the, that's the theme of what people are thinking at the moment. It might change if we not mop up the French. Uh, I think Foster and his coaching team are the problem. Sure, the players are the ones dropping the ball and not executing the skills, but they are the best players in New Zealand and some are the best in the world. They just don't forget how to catch, pass, kick and run, especially for multiple games. The game plan is rubbish. There is no creativity. We still have no answer to a rush defence. I feel the players are getting admonished for the coach's lack of ability. Foster hasn't improved this team at all. And that pretty much sums up uh, a lot of passion amongst the troops. The old boys club have had a good run for the best part of the century. Bring on the future. Get Razor on board. Uh, it's still coming out. And it doesn't matter where, where the black caps go, how the football ferns go, uh, the black ferns, the tall blacks, whatever. When the all blacks lose, it is the subject. Hi, Smithy. I heard you earlier say that Northern Knights are now the Northern Brave. Yes, they are. I'll get on to that tomorrow because uh, I was a little bit part of the launch and I read the story behind it, and it's very good. Uh, we're going to be talking to Staff next, and he's not listening at the moment, uh, so I'll read this text for Staff uh, when we make contact with him very shortly.